This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another journey into our little weird world of aquariums. Today, I'm super, super stoked, really excited to have one of my reef-keeping homies. Uh, This is a a first person I've actually had on the show that is uh, primarily known from the reef-keeping world. This is Kat Dowen. Kat, also known as Metro Cat. Say hi to everybody. Hey there. And I I butchered your name right off the bat. Remember, we were talking about how I was going to pronounce the last name? What did I do? You did a great job. Did I do? Okay. 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 I made it like a one-syllable last name. (laughs) Well, well, Cat is really interesting. Now, Cat goes by the moniker of Metro Cat New York. uh, And if you are in the reef keeping world at all, you've probably heard of her. She goes to a lot of shows. She's done uh, some great uh, lectures. She does a great lecture, which is kind of going to be the topic of what we're talking about today. She did a lecture at Reefapalooza in California recently. Uh, And and essentially, we're going to talk about social media. She's a social media marketing strategist. Is that a good way to sort of... That is. Yeah, perfect. cool. Cool. And she's worked for a lot of iconic companies, especially on the saltwater side, but many of you that deal with uh, aquariums in general will know them, like Brightwell, uh, who does a lot of freshwater stuff, obviously. Uh, Reed Mariculture, who some of you might be a little less familiar with in the freshwater world, but they're an excellent, well-known company for live feeds in the the reef world. Marine Depot, who hasn't heard of Marine Depot, I'm not sure. Uh, And then, of course, you did the uh, do or did the social media strategy for Reefapalooza, right? Which is... Yeah, Reefapalooza has been a client for three years. Nice. And obviously, you've seen some explosive growth in that time in, in, in that conference. So it's pretty uh, exciting. It's pretty nice. Um, you know, the other um, – I work for the club, SCMAS, which mm-hmm. handles the California show. Yep. And it's been uh, pretty interesting to see the growth in the three years because um, initially they weren't really doing much of social media. The other Reefapaloozas do a pretty good job, but um, it was it's pretty nice. This year it just um, – we blew up the internet pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was pretty obvious. That's good. That's good. And that's what we're going to talk about too. We're going to talk about blowing up the internet. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. But I have to like uh, go into sort of your background now. Again, you are a pro- you started out what about ten years ago in the hobby? Is that fair to say? As in um, less than ten, less officially than- in two thousand and eleven. Okay, that's. 2011, and then if I'm not mistaken, I think one of your tanks, like maybe it was your nano tank, reef tank, was like a tank of the month on a forum, like right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in my 11th month of starting in the hobby, I got tank of the month, the first one. Um, I got another one a couple of years later, but um, that getting that first one was just like, wow. That's um, crazy. It floored me. That's crazy. I mean, because in the reef keeping world, for those of you that are not familiar, it's it's really um, there's a lot of good talent out there, and there's a lot of people with really amazing ideas and putting out tanks, just like in the freshwater world. But to get one of those tank of the month things is you have to really stand out from a crowd. So that's pretty awesome for someone that was like literally brand new in the hobby. That doesn't yeah, happen. So. I was I was shocked, and um, it, it just it really just validated the intense passion that I felt for the hobby at the time and uh, just made me want to do more and better. So I continued. That's cool. And, and now your background, and I, I'm going to probe in your background a bit because you were a graduate of Parsons, right? That's right, Parsons so in New York. Fashion, fashion industry, which I respect anybody in the fashion industry because I think it's, talk about a creative field where there's competition. That's pretty awesome. Dude. That's what I did. So I'm I'm trained as a fashion designer, and uh, my family had an international business. So I was handling or a part of the family business since I was 17. Oh wow! Um, so like pretty much my whole life, my world was fashion, and um, you know, not the front lines, like you know, not um, Fashion Week in New York, right. but. Um, you know, addressing a different niche market, I thought. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's cool. And and then, of course, I give you the sort of skills working with people and social media, I would imagine, or at least an awareness of it at the time. And that's probably served you pretty well, I would think. 
Yeah, the, the world of fashion sort of coincides with celebrities and also coincides with the beauty world. And those worlds are like entirely different from the hobby world, like right. entirely night and day. Right. And um, you get, uh, you know, actually part of my presentation at Reefa Palooza was uh, Grumpy Cat, who has like 2.3 million, 2.7 million subscribers. You know, Kim mm -hmm. Kardashian has 145 million. We don't see those kinds of numbers in our yeah. hobby. So um, if you are if you're working with an influencer in those uh, markets, whether it's fashion, even it, it could be somebody with a hundred thousand or 200,000 followers doesn't have to go into the celebrity category. Um, and also the beauty, um, beauty world. They are so fickle. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> I, hate, I hate to say it. Um, if you think you have a ghosting problem in our hobby, <laughs> I mean, wait till you jump into the beauty um, industry. It is crazy. I had to get out, unfortunately, within like about three or four months of working with a client. I was just feeling so upset because I couldn't get traction with any influencers. They would just ghost you. They would get Ugh. two, $300 worth of really good product and just disappear. Um, so I felt personally, you know... Um, as a failure since I couldn't get a response and I'm sending out product on behalf of a client and, right. you know, not being able to get a result. Um, I just felt so bad. Um, and I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm a results oriented yeah. person. Yeah. So I just had to, I had to let it go. I <laughs> dabbled in the beef jerky industry. So the food, <laughs> the highly, uh, the highly competitive beef jerky industry. <laughs> You have a very diverse resume, if nothing else. <laughs> so, so that was interesting because uh, <laughs> it's the food industry, but it was a prepackaged product, and they wanted to compete with some of the very well-known uh, beef jerky companies nice. that you see in every Target, Walmart, every grocery store. Um, so I, I just put together um, a photography campaign that I think they carry on to this day. So I was nice. I was happy about that, but I didn't feel the passion that I do in the hobby while I was doing these other industries. Well, you know, if I had to choose between beef jerky and an aquarium, I I think I'd probably go the aquarium route too. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but this is good. I mean, you're 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 hitting right into the social media aspect of the hobby, which is something we're going to talk about in detail. And I, but I want to touch on first again for people that. In, we have a lot of freshwater people here. Um, you and I have that pedigree of, of reef keeping, and I, I've mentioned it a billion times in my blog. And I was, I was kind of a, I would say I was pretty high up there in the speaking food chain uh, of, in the reef world. I was at MACNA conferences and reef palooses and all those things, and I was sort of an A-lister, I guess you might say, in that world. And then coming to the freshwater world, it was like, who the hell is this guy? So I had to sort of, re, you know, I, I had to put my head down, put my ego away and just start working at something that I loved for many years. Now, you have, are obviously super well known in the reef world. And you also, no mystery there, you have a really nice planted aquarium that you're into, aren't you? Yes, I'm I'm actually looking at it right now. It just it gives me the warm and fuzzies. It's just <laughs> lovely. <laughs> no, but, see, but that's cool. It, it's got these lovely plants in a couple of colors, guppies everywhere. I've got a couple of special fish, um, like I have a, a, a scarlet baddest in there nice. that I've had since October. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing he's he finds either baby shrimp or copepods to eat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's pretty cool. And then I have another uh, two and a half gallon shrimp bowl. I just put my red cherries in there. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying the freshwater. About as much as I enjoy the reef. What I find uh, an interesting difference. I'm I'm a nano girl, but my reef currently is a four foot. Um, it's a Red Sea Reefer 350, so it's really four nice feet, tank. which is the largest tank I've ever had. So yeah. I love it. The the aquascape I was able to do. Um, oh God, like you know, going off on a tangent. I guess my love of aquascape comes from planted aquariums, even though I didn't realize that. That was my inspiration. Right. Um, so when I'm trying to work on my reef, I have to take this lid off, which was custom built for the tank, um, to get in there. And then fish decide to jump on me. Yay. So <laughs> with my nano freshwater, I, I have a little stool because it's sitting on my kitchen um, window looking into my living room. And uh -huh. I can just go in there, do a top-down trim of anything. So I enjoy working in the tank. 
um, which I think is a huge benefit with nanos because there's less to disturb, I think. Exactly. No, it's true. And you can, you know, the thing I like about little nano tanks is you can get in and out of them quickly in terms of if, if for some reason you get bored and want to try something new, it's not an all day project unless yeah. you make it that way. It's, you know, a few hours and you, you've got something different. Um, which is which is super cool, and you know, again, you're you're kind of a, I think actually you're sort of a prototypical crossover reefer right now, um, someone who brings those talents to wants to try something different in freshwater. I know quite a few big name reefers that almost like it's almost like closeted. We don't want to talk about the fact that we have a freshwater tank. It's funny in that world, but it's it's loosened up quite a bit, and there's a tremendous amount of respect between the two worlds. And there's so much need for that crossover. You bring a lot of talent as a reefer to the freshwater world and vice versa. And there's a lot of cross-pollination, particularly like in aquascaping and in husbandry. Um, I think that's super cool. Um, it's interesting. I actually had a conversation with a client um, at the Reefapalooza New York show. And I had a few uh, influencers that I work with talk about their freshwater tanks. And um, it was interesting because um, the client was interested in possibly going into the freshwater industry. And it was nice to see how many reefers were actually into freshwater. And I didn't know um, till I specifically asked, right. Hey, do you have a freshwater tank? It's real hush hush. I mean, like, and it was really funny because when I left, um, sold my interest in, in my coral company and unique corals and started tannin, um, it was like a lot of my friends were like, it was like, a, it was like a funeral. They're like, Oh my God, what are you doing? You know, like you're giving up, you're at the top of your game with the really great company. <laughs> Talk to the hand. Right. Right. And it was like, what it was, they felt bad. People felt sorry for me. They're like, Oh, you know, I'm like, I didn't get fired as my own company. I chose to leave. <laughs> I just didn't want to do it. I wanted to do something different. And it went into this obscure niche, which is, I'm proud to say, is now becoming something pretty cool. But um, it, it's a different world, but the skills are so similar. And and one of the ways that I built up Tannin, and I'm, watch this clever segue, Kat, is I used a lot of social media. Um, a lot of t- spent a lot of time, you know, on Instagram and, and Facebook and so forth. And that's what I want to talk about now, of course, uh, for the rest of the show is your take on somebody. We, we have a lot of people that approach me and say, you know, I'm interested in starting my own company too, doing something niche or otherwise in, in the perhaps the freshwater world. Um, but what what is the best starting point and you know at building a brand obviously we both know from with marketing backgrounds we know there's a lot to it but at least on social media it, what is a the most important thing on social media is it developing a, a a persona a presence is it about you know continuous activity is it using influencers what are the key strategies is it just starting and then we can go from there it's a bunch of different things. The first uh, most important thing I would say for a brand to start on social media would be Instagram and Facebook. Those are the Instagram is the number one platform today just because it's growing so fast and it's that instant gratification you get. Yeah. Um, people are moving away from forums. So if you're doing advertising on Instagram and Facebook, you get more uh, for your buck. Um, a hundred times more for your buck than advertising on some other meat, um, you know, outlets. So for somebody that's wanting to start a company or already has a company, there's plenty in the hobby that don't have a social media presence. Um, I would say just start off being real. If you've got creatives that you already have about product, uh, everybody does photo shoots, start posting those up. It can be a lot to do on Instagram because it has to be on your phone. Uh, but there are, you know, softwares you could utilize to schedule in advance. Like Hootsuite used to be just for Twitter, but right. it, it includes um, Instagram now. Right. Um, I Having a social media presence uh just ups the volume of conversation. It amplifies your brand online. And all you want at the end of the day is people talking about your brand. And that next time, you know, I want uh, a particular um, RODI for my freshwater and people are talking about, for example, SpectraPure. The next time I'm in the market looking for one, that brand will pop into my head. So that's the top of mind. That's that's the whole reason you want to be on social media. I get a lot of questions. Well, what's my ROI? How, you know, <laughs> will I see an increase in sales? So there's 
a two-part answer to that. If you're a wholesaler, you're just going to see an amplified um, conversation. But if you're a retailer, you're totally going to see uh, sales. Unfortunately, Facebook wants you to pay to boost those yeah, sales. The organic posts. reach isn't what it used to be on Facebook. Oh, no, exactly. it's not. But it gets you so much. Yep. They throttle your, your, um, search and people who can find you once you pay they open the gates up yeah. you will see um some reaction you will see results uh, if you pay to boost yeah. a sale post uh, but for wholesalers amplifying the volume of your conversation is the best way and another strategy to start off on social media is to get brand ambassadors slash influencers to talk about your product right and we're going to talk about that a little bit more in detail, too, because that's a topic I think it's pretty timely. And the other thing, too, I want to talk about um, people have asked me uh, what I don't know the strategy, but what I've used effectively on social media. And you probably get this all the time is the, the one value of social media to me, especially Facebook and Instagram in the aquarium industry, is if you are social, if you are interacting with people, if you're responding to comments, posting questions, developing a community, it's like the, the, it's never been easier I mean, on a, on a relatively modest budget to do a lot. Like you said, it's so targeted and so um, the value is great. But it's not like an instant fix, I think, right? I mean, that's the important thing you kind of have to, I think, understand. Don't you agree that it takes time and commitment and just time to build up a presence, right? I mean, it's not boom, you walk it in. It sure does. Building it organically takes a long time and it's painful, I'll have to say. But those are real followers. Those are people that appreciate your brand, respect what you stand for. And it's really worth it. Um, there are too many people buying followers and buying likes just yeah. to seem, seem popular. And I guess it is a social media. So, you know, uh, you can kind of understand why they think it's a popularity contest. Right. But when it comes to brands, um, being social doesn't mean posting personal pictures and making your feed look like a personal profile. Exactly. Uh, keep it on point. It should be about your brand. Um, you know, in my presentation, I presented a, a couple of slides where you scroll through any any pictures. There's no doubt in your mind which brand you're looking at. Um, and there are others and prestigious brands. You'll scroll and you have no idea right. what. Yeah. So um, a lot of people, especially small business owners, have the tendency to make social media a personal profile. Keep it separate. Um, The Instagram app allows you to log into more than one profile at the same time. So you don't have to log in and out of your personal versus your business profile. So keep both, but don't mix the two. And please don't put your political views on your business page. God, I hate yeah. when people do that. That is so yeah. stupid. That is that is such a classic mistake, but I see so many people that get in and then they get in these huge arguments with people on political views and this is your business page. It's a night it's a train wreck and you can't help but watch it play out, but it's like wow. Um, yeah, if it's a topic you don't want to discuss on your dinner table you shouldn't discuss it on your business social media is what I say. Good rule of thumb. And then I have another question for you that um, I have my own thoughts on this and I'm, I bet you we agree. But this comes up quite a bit when people say, oh, I, I, you know, what happens? A lot of people are so afraid of social media because they're out they're putting themselves out there. And what if somebody says something negative about your company, your brand? What is the best way to address that on social media? You know, someone comes out there and says, I used your product that killed my fish or you know, your, your service was slow or blah, blah, blah. What, um, what is your strategy on that? It's hard to work around anybody that uses social media to blackmail or to shame a company. It's, um, but I would say work through it and get in front of it. Um, some people are just nasty for no reason. They will post things like you're taking advantage of me and my family. You're stealing food from my table, like nasty stuff for after, you know, an aquarium arrived broken. Um, you know, things like that. I, as a brand, as a vendor, as a company, I would say you, you should talk to them privately, delete those nasty comments that have no bearing on what actually happened. And people also lie, you know, something could have been fixed, but it didn't get fixed to their satisfaction. So they're going to give a one star negative rating and bad mouth the company. 
chances are if somebody's really happy with you, they're not going to post anything uh, or a negative review or, or any kind of review. But the minute something goes wrong and it's four stars instead of five, you'll hear it everywhere. Sure. Um, as a brand, I would say uh, talk to them. You, you'll be surprised picking up the phone and calling a hobbyist for anything that went wrong goes a long way. One of my clients had a product, a batch, that had some faults in it and some of the stuff went viral on the internet and i swear to you just picking up the phone and i had a list and i called every single one and i addressed it i explained what happened uh that's how we got ahead of it and it's like two or three years later and one you know an odd comment pops up but there are enough people when that odd comment pops up enough people defending the company saying, you know what, I have the same issue, but they took care of me. This right. is what you do. Right. I mean, communication is huge. And and, and building up sort of a, I, I always called it a bank of goodwill. I did this at, um, in, in the Coral Company. I do it at, at Tenant. If you just treat people well and, and communicate with them effectively, whether it's via social media or whatever, when something does go wrong, you've got that currency sort of to draw on. Because they're less likely to go out and attack you if you're actually a genuine, real, helpful person. And, yeah. And, and most people are, but they don't show that in their online persona. They're not reactive. They don't respond to things or they get rattled or they're just not attentive. And I think, you know, that's why I asked, like, don't you think it's important to be consistent in your social media presence, like whether it's posting or answering comments. So many companies I see don't answer, they don't get back to people. They don't answer comments and posts. Even if it's a thank you or a smiley face, it's like, it takes two seconds to do that out of your day. And I just, I can't understand how people could be on their personal Facebook all day long, you know, responding to cat videos, but they won't, (laughs) but they won't take two seconds to go on their brand thing and answer a quick question about something or just say thank you or whatever. It makes all the difference in the world. People, that's the whole reason for social media. Yeah, that that to me is the part about social that brands and uh, companies need to get. Um, Just jumping back to the point about, you know, something negative happens and you post, you find a negative comment. I keep telling uh, the influencers and the hobbyists that I talk about social media to reach out, don't chew out. You there know, you go. Not nine and a half or almost 10 times out of 10, if something went wrong, the company reach out to them and they will do what they can to make it right for you. Yeah, um, but people in- insist on just going straight on social media. So um, hopefully at some point that will stop. And on the brand side, yes, engagement is really important. So uh, when I'm managing all these clients, my phone is just dinging all day long sure. with notifications. For, the, for a long time, though, I had shut off notifications because some of the clients are 30, 40,000 followers. That's a lot of tagging, right. a lot of messaging, and my phone was just going crazy 24-7. Yeah. Um, and actually, that was wrong because I'm not going to know if somebody posted a comment or liked a, a, you know, or reposted a story. I won't know, so I won't acknowledge them. Uh, the first time a brand, as a hobbyist, the first time any brand reposted one of my images or one of my posts, you know, was that giddy feeling i felt like the greatest thing in the world so when you respond back to a comment on your post they feel they feel uh that they're important and absolutely um, yeah so for a brand to do that i think is really important engage your customer yeah i mean that that's the the whole thing i think that 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 is the, the game and i think more people are realizing this, and I think you know. Getting back, final the final say on the nasty thing. I think, as you'd mentioned, it's you, there's always going to be nasty people, and I think people are feel empowered by the relative anonymity and you know being on the other side of a keyboard or a, a cell phone. But I think you can neutralize that, like you said, just by being real and genuine and communicative and consistent. And one of the things that we're seeing a lot more of in marketing now um, on online, I know I, I've talked with this about you with, uh, about this with you before, um, is the power of influencers and, and people that want to be influencers. We get a lot of people that, that you know in the freshwater world, for example, they're really good at doing aquascaping or you know taking fish photos or whatever, and they kind of want to work for a brand and do something. Why don't we talk about the whole influencer world because that's your game. I'll let you just go for it. But like, how does somebody? get started what's the how does somebody approach a brand and say hey i want to be an influencer what's what's the what are the prerequisites and what do you do 
I would say don't approach the brand. Okay. <laughs> I I get messages uh, every single day. You know, hey, I've got two followers. Can I get a T-shirt right. to give away? Um, can I get free product? Uh, do you do sponsorships at all? And a huge part of that is because whichever influencers the companies do sponsor, they are required to disclose that they're sponsored. So people see, you know, company A, like Tannen is sponsoring this person. So right. Tannen starts getting those uh, messages. Hey, can you sponsor me? Hey, can right. you? I'm doing a 1,000 people giveaway. Can you send right. me like free stuff? Yeah. And meanwhile, you know, we're talking about we're talking about reaching tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. There's really right. only two accounts in at least the salt side that have reached over uh, 50, 60,000 followers, just two. And um, on the freshwater side, you do have a large following. So when you're doing a 1,000 people giveaway, honestly, uh, you should really value the, the, uh, or actually think about the value you bring to the brand. So my first advice is do not approach the brand for sponsorship. My my first piece or pro tip is if you're using a particular product, whether it's a fertilizer for your plant or a salt for your reef tank, talk about that product that you're already using, tag the brand, tag the, the people, uh, maybe tag the retailer you bought it from. And that gets get them to um, notice you. Yes. So they'll, they'll get that notification that somebody's posting. They'll follow you. And hopefully if they're listening and they, they try to engage their customer back, they'll start talking about it. That gives you more of a reason to post. And eventually at that point when they're, they know that you're genuinely talking about their product that you already have, you can approach them for sponsorship. There you go. Um, I just, like day and night, I get uh, literally, um, I got a message just, um, I want to say two weeks ago, hey, do you guys sponsor at all? And I said, "Um, what are you looking for? And the gentleman said, I'm looking for corals. (laughs) So, yeah, he sent that to a dry goods vendor client of mine. Nicely done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I get, you know, st- I really get all those messages. Oh. I, I have a little laugh about it, but um, it's really sad because I see, oh, I reached 100 people. I'm going to do a giveaway. I reached, you know, my right. first 250. I'm going to do a giveaway. It's not supposed to be about that. Celebrate milestones. A 1,000 is a good one. 5,000 is a good one. 10 is a good one. But, um, you know, small uh, but it's it's the trend. Everybody's doing it. Right. So um, I do know a lot of hobbyists that want to do giveaways, but they dip into their own stash of brand new unopened things or they buy something, you know, right. with Labor Day sales, they got a good deal and they'll put that up as part of the giveaway. I think that that's way more acceptable than having your first 500, 700 people and you go to a brand saying, can you sponsor me? Yeah, I think I think maybe people are emboldened by the you know they see the whole uh, the the Khloe Kardashian syndrome where like everything you touch turns to gold and they think oh I could do this and I just make YouTube videos or you know what I get a lot of is and you probably see this with your brands is I get a lot of oh I'm going to set up a tank with your product and I'm going to do a video (laughs) and I'm going to do an unboxing well guess what I don't it sounds it doesn't want to sound arrogant but I have plenty of people that send me unboxing videos and pictures and pictures of their tanks without me having to give them something. They're customers. You, you need to deliver as much value for the brand as the brand hopefully delivers to you. And I think people don't understand that. If you're talking a business, if you take the fun part out of it and turn it into a business relationship, then it has to work both ways. Absolutely right. And I'm actually reading this right now, uh, this message. Um, they were very nice about it. It wasn't like, hey, can you send me something for free? You know, they introduced themselves right. and said they were looking, uh, they're reaching out looking for a potential sponsor. And we think, you know, we're a growing channel. We think it'll make uh, a lot of sense. And so I said, you know, I really appreciate your message. What kind of sponsorship? And they said, we'd be open about anything. We love to use your product and start a new aquarium we we could do an aquarium in a school so all good things right. and then i i said do you currently use our products and the answer was no <laughs> oops 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to, what if you hate it? Uh, right. Hate the, you know, go Setting out, try up. it, and then, you know, see some results, and then for sure, give us, you know, their messaging was really very nicely put. Right. Um, but I, you know, if you've never used our product, I'm, this client has been around for decades. It's an international company. You know, it's a proven product or a range of products. So, you know, they're really not looking to prove anything right. at this point. But that, that brings me to another point is I think people, um, you, you really hit it on the head when you said, I, the person said, I'm not using the product currently. Well, you kind of have, if you have a natural interest in something, I, I don't understand the mindset that says, I'm, I want to be an influencer, but send me your stuff. I'll use it for the first time and give you feedback. It should really be a little more, I think, organic than that. I'm, I've already used your stuff. I like it. Here's some stuff I've done. I'd love to do more. I, I think that gives a business a lot more confidence in somebody's intentions. And, yeah, and you know, no question is uh, a stupid question. So right. when a hobbyist says, you know, I use this and I use this, is it compatible with using this? I've got algae in there, right. but I have shrimp in there. Is it compatible? It's um, it, it, There may be a lot of questions like that, but when you engage them back, then they'll look at your products, they'll research it, and if it's appropriate for them, they'll go out there and buy it. And meanwhile, you've already had a... I, I call it a start of a relationship and right. it really depends on both sides or certainly the hobbyists, how in touch they want to keep with the company. And, um, you know, that's, that can result down the line in, uh, sending, getting free stuff or getting sponsored. Yeah. And that's a good point. And it's a relationship. And the, the other thing too, that I see, and you've probably seen this way more than I have, but I will see people with a, a, a nice YouTube channel. They'll have tens of thousands of followers or whatever. And they'll say, I would love to do uh, an aquascape using your products or whatever. And I have 10,000 subscribers and blah, blah, blah. Well, then you go and you look at this person's content. And, you know, I'm a pretty specialized little niche. I get that. But they're, you know, I'll mention you or whatever. And you sponsor my channel. And their channel has nothing to do with what your primary focus is. They're more broad. I think people have to to have a little bit of a realistic distinction, meaning that, well, you have 10,000 subscribers, but if 90% of what you do has nothing to do with the product that you're approaching or the, or the company that you're approaching, it's not that attractive to the company. Just have my logo up on a company that does goldfish, for example, and I'm selling things for tropical fish. It doesn't, just because you're a fish channel with 10,000 subscribers and they see my logo on there, it doesn't kind of work. It doesn't relate. And I think... There's a little homework on both sides, you know. I, mean. <laughs> I agree. Uh, there's also the case of um, misinterpreting what the channel can do or cannot do. They may have nothing to do with planted or actually aquascaping. They may just have a tank right. or they may just feature other people's tanks. So um, I think a little research on both parts, the influencer for the brand and also the brand for the influencer is really needed so that we don't have people with a nano tank getting fish food for that will last them for two years. Right, right. And, and I think, you know, it's a point in the, in the conversation to interject that I don't think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kat, but I don't think you and I are being negative as far as what we're trying to present here. We're just trying to say you, there's, when you're trying to be an influencer or work with a brand, I think you have to look at it as a business relationship and understand that there are things need to mesh up and there's some things that you need to be aware of just like the brand needs to be aware of so that everybody could make it an effective relationship. Absolutely. I really, um, as a business owner, small business owner myself, um, when I launched my marketing company, I had no idea that I would uh, evolve into influencer marketing. So at this point, social media is quite literally the absolute basic thing that I do for my clients, influencer sure. marketing is where it's at. Um, whether it's a client that um, decides they just want product placed with influencers that are already on my list and people that I follow that I know are genuine or they're, you know, ongoing clients for whom I do social media. Um, when I'm running things like affiliate programs, I have to vet, you know, hey, are, there's, you know, your fish 
company, I don't think you want to sell plants. Right. So, or right. you're a blog about fish, so you're not going to be selling, uh, you know, dry goods. Uh, so, having an affiliate link really doesn't make any sense. Right. Unless you're talking about a product, but um, it's. I did not know that I was going to evolve into doing influencer marketing, which is which is so exciting for me and I think yeah. I'm going to evolve it further. It's it's the future of the marketing industry because there's no you don't know if a print ad is getting you any sales. Right. You don't know if a website ad unless you've got uh unless you're a retailer and you've got a code embedded in it, you don't know that it resulted in a direct sale. Exactly. Influencer marketing is a peer-to-peer review and I'm following you because I like your content. I trust what you have to say. I think you're authentic. And if you ever talk about tan and aquatics, I'm likely to go to that brand and that website first the next time I want to make um, a blackwater tank. Right. It's, it, I, I think it's a, it's a basic basic relationship there. Hang it on. sure is. At the Reef of Blues, uh, um presentation that I did, I did a case study of Greg Carroll. He's the president of yeah. the Southern California, um, you know, no, the Greg Marine well. Aquarium Society. Yeah. So they're the original um, hosts of the Reefapalooza from the get-go. Yeah. Um, I used his account as a case study in my presentation. Originally, I was going to uh, do a comparison case study, but the other account, even though she's doing everything right, um, Greg's account was growing four times faster than her account. Hmm. And um, it, I, I was just so excited. He had, uh, he, I think now he's crossed over 1,000. So he's really uh, not in it to, to get sponsorship. He's very well known already. Right. Um, but he's putting in this effort every single day. He's telling a story. He's posting about the corals he likes. Um, it was really interesting. At one point when he was uh, posting leading up to Reefapalooza, his engagement level was higher than Grumpy Cat. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's yeah. saying a lot. So I presented that at the at the um, Reefapalooza conference. And <laughs> this is a lot more um, people interested in cat videos and photos than there are in fish. So that's really yeah, impressive. And it's a proven fact. Uh, posting memes uh, gets you more engagement than posting something serious. Interesting. Um, you could ask a question, but the engagement you get on something funny, something that's purely social, is a lot more. Like post a picture of a beautiful fish versus a full tank shot and you'll get yeah. probably more likes on the beautiful fish. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because, uh, I know in our own, for example, our Instagram feed, I, I don't, I know likes are sort of overrated as the, but they are sort of the currency that we trade in as far as effectiveness. And, and one of the easy ones to look at, one of the vanity metrics, but you know, you do get, tend to get more likes, more views on certain types of shots. Like I found in our case, Products in use, aquariums, aquascape with the product are far more engaging to people than if I just took a product shot, for example, or whatever. It, it, you really have to like study. I don't I, I think that's another thing for brands or you, or you hire someone like you that makes the effort to study what is effective and what isn't and what your audience wants to see. Yes. And again, guaranteed when it's a business post, there's a lot less engagement. So when you when you position your, say, a product shot along with uh, plants or fish or coral, uh, it gets you more views, more likes, uh, comments than if you just had the product shot there. Um, regardless of how good your story is and also videos get more likes. So it could just be an animated GIF, GIF, but anything animated gets more views. Um, and the, the biggest trend these days is the stories on Instagram. Yeah. So even for brands, um, it's a common misconception that Instagram, because it's on your phone, it's all about selfies and stuff. It's oh God, not, no. it's not. In fact, uh, one of my things for brands is please don't make it, uh, <laughs> Uh, your stories with those juvenile emojis that oh, come God. up with Instagram. Their mouse ears and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, dancing yeah. SpongeBob. Yeah. Uh, no, don't do that. Um, 
it's very easy to download an app. A lot of them are free that will do an Instagram story that is more aesthetically in tune with your branding. Um, Make use of that. It's like a one-time download and it's free in most cases. And you can just have something very simple. It could be a background in your uh, colors of your logo and then you could put an image on top of it. it could be something just as simple as that it could be a particular font make sure to use that font across all your stories yeah and the filters um, and all that. a template really helps you because when you see sometimes uh, everybody saves um, their own stories so you can see the images in the exact same position there's a look to it there's some thought put into it um, exactly you, you know what I've learned to use a lot and and this this was you know coming from a background in, in speaking uh, in the aquarium world it was a little easier for me but video is not a, a native thing for me like I pay to have nice videos produced but do, going live live was really fun like Instagram stories going live on Instagram is absolutely one of my favorite things to do right now uh, the engagement that you get on those and the direct contact with customers and clients and you know people that are interested is so incredible. And it really does lead to not only to sales, but to building, you know, relation, customer relationships. And it's really not hard to do. You don't have to be polished and professional. I mean, do you work with stories do you, like that? Or have you talked to people that do live? Or am I just an anomaly that loves it? Or is it effective no, for a lot of people? No, stories definitely gets way more uh, engagement than a regular video post on Instagram, uh, also on Facebook. And um, there's an interesting uh, little comparison here. As a, um, a marketer that's working for a client to put product in the hands of an influencer, unless I somehow screenshot um, a story the second it happens that mentions that particular client, they're disappearing in 24 hours. Right. So both for a sponsored hobbyist and for me, it's very hard to prove to my client that somebody made all these posts. Now on the back end, uh, somebody uh, somebody who made the post is able to see how many views, um, how many you know comments, they're able to see that. But a lot of that has to do with if you asked a question on the story or uh, things of that nature because that gives you the feedback. Right. Unless you're a business profile, you're not getting the insights. So... Um, you know, as it if as somebody that looks and monitors what the influencers are doing, especially with a product that's been placed with them, it's very hard for me to prove that they did anything if they're only doing stories. So always do everything. Yep. Um, but stories for sure gets more engagement. And uh, here's the magic number: when you reach ten thousand. Uh, you're able to do the swipe up action, which will lead you yep. directly to your website to make that sale. Yeah, that's huge. And that's why the power of consistently doing some things every day to get your engagement up, to get your follower count up, those are so valuable. It's, it, and, and as you always say, it, it's, a, it's a long-term thing and you have to just continuously build it up and perfect it. Yeah. Uh, being social doesn't mean you post multiple times a day. Uh, you could post every other day. You could post three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, any sort of consistency is important. Like don't just disappear for weeks on end or months on end. Right. Um, and with certain uh, features in like say Hootsuite, which is also a free software in the, you, you know, it has limitations, but you can schedule posts in advance. So, uh, you're able to schedule for an entire month. Uh, if you know you're traveling, you're on vacation, you could schedule those posts to, to post. Yeah, I think that's that's important. So you don't you're not have you don't have to be married to it. You can you just you know keep a consistent flow going without having to be a slave to the process. Yes, and uh, also as a brand, it's hard to come up with uh, content all the time. So yeah. in the case of uh, Reed, um, they have a limited amount. They have a limited number of products. So how many times can you post uh, a product shot? Right. Um, and so that their channel is about user reposts um, to show how popular. It's a household name for the reefing industry. And the user posts show you how many people are using it. Um, so you have to work with 
your particular situation and your brand, if you have a lot of creatives, you have a lot of product, you should still stagger it in between posts of a beautiful tank or a nice hardscape or a time-lapse video of doing a hardscape. You should definitely uh, disperse your your business mix, mix posts of, you know, between social posts. So Exactly. Um, so brands generally think, again, it's on my phone. I don't really have all my creatives. Uh, if you put a little thought into it, get a Google drive link or a Dropbox link, everything is there. You can do this. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you have to be a, a, a super tech head or, you know, social media expert to, to play with this stuff and actually use it effectively. I think you just have to do it like, like everything yeah. else. You just have to jump into it or turn to a professional like yourself that, understands what's going on will make the effort to learn about your company and your goals and then help form a strategy and now um we're getting towards the end of 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 the the time that we have with you but i wanted to uh again talk personally with you about if somebody is interested in working with you what would be the best way for them to get a hold of you um, I'm go, I go by MetroCat everywhere so on instagram it's MetroCat. facebook it's MetroCat. So they can very quickly find me and send me a message. Um, another way to get a hold of me is uh, quite simply <laughs> doing a hashtag search for hashtag MetroCat you on go. Instagram. You'll totally find me. See, learn, use the skill and get the cus- and get the client and get the yeah. uh, and use the skill and get the uh, professional. It works the same yeah. way. So- I do have a list of hobbyists that um, are influencers already or want to be. So I watch a lot of people and sometimes the perfect product or client comes along and I place it with that hobbyist. There you go. So there's always something to do with this stuff and that's what's so cool. Um, Kat, what's the future hold for you? What's, what's, what's Kat going to be doing in five years? What's, what's happening? I'm evolving. I just love being on the speaker circuit and yep. the whole influencer marketing. I don't believe anybody's really doing it the way I am no. on behalf of clients uh, for any, whether the salt or the freshwater industry. So eventually, I mean, uh, my dream was really to have a one-stop shop, the marketing agency for the hobby. So if you want a website done, I have the people to do it. If you want social media, I have the people to do it. Um, and these are hobbyists. So they're in, or they certainly are part of the hobby. So they're both professionals. So they're web designers, but they understand it. So you won't, you know, erroneously give a wrong name to a fish. Right. There you go. You've got people that have the fish background and the uh, and the technical background for the the social media and the website. Good yeah, so eventually I want to be uh, an influencer marketing agency instead of just an all in one. I think that that's where the future is yeah. for for anything today. I, agreed, and and I think it's again it's kind of fun to see you coming out of the hobby, uh, learning these skills, applying these skills, and then going back into the hobby and servicing the hobby with what you know. And I think that's really cool. You're a classic entrepreneurial success story in the aquarium industry. You've chosen to, you know, serve the hobby that you enjoy so much in a different way. And I think that's really cool. And, and, uh, you know, the final question, final question I want to ask you, uh, and, and I know this is a long one. We, we may have to actually even talk about this, uh, another time. Um, this is something that shouldn't even be a question. It shouldn't even be of concern, but we're seeing more and more women, uh, in the hobby at all levels, influencing and so forth. It shouldn't even be a thing. It should just be these are hobbyists. But have you noticed that that the hobby has been um, uh, there? More women are more active in the hobby and more influential in the hobby over the years. Uh, and is this something that you've seen increasing? Is it harder for women? Easier for women? And um, go. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to actually reference Rachel or Larry. She's been out there for a while. She works really hard and she has worked hard to get a following and she's extremely genuine. Right. Um, every single thing she does is completely from her heart and because she understands it. So, um, I don't believe today anybody coming into the influencer, uh, mainstream is, is coming in with that level of of uh influence or that level of passion because it's very instant on instagram when she started we didn't instagram or anything uh, youtube was probably like the largest right um so i do find a lot more women um what i find is 
not misuse, but definitely attention-grabbing images from ladies. And those posts, believe it or not, have way more authentic engagement, but they're not a business post. So I kind of ask the brands, if you want to sponsor, um, you know, a woman, is it because of attention-grabbing pictures? Right. And is that the right image for your brand? Exactly. So there's a lot more. I see that because uh, I do follow a lot of freshwater um influencers and hobbyists but i see a hundred percent more of that on the saltwater side interesting but i do see a lot of a really talented i mean again it shouldn't matter women male female whatever but i see a lot more women on the freshwater side just having an amazing impact rachel classic example we worked with her and she's amazing um but there's so many young people regardless male or female getting into this game but it's great to see women like really having a major impact on this hobby and they've been doing yeah, it for so long I think in the shadows water side it's yeah. friendlier to women for some reason that's my perception i could be wrong i hope i'm wrong it just seems uh the freshwater side in general is friendlier to the hobby than the reef side um when i started which was very recently in october i went to aquatic experience and i just happened to vote for an aquascape that won number one and he's uh really good rank in the world aquascaping contest mm -hmm. it just he he didn't have any hesitation giving me tips tricks he'd never met me before he doesn't know who i am um you don't find that too much on the salt side and i have no idea why <laughs> well you know culturally maybe uh, who knows maybe it started out as a more ridiculously macho thing i i and it just i don't know you Weird. might be right because there's such a huge DIY aspect to it. Like yeah. you build things and it's – But there's so many talented uh, you know, women. I mean, Rachel O'Leary, that woman could do more DIY than pretty much any reefer I know. So I, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't necessarily uh, know. But, but, but yeah, it's that, it's that machismo thing I think. But uh, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, um, the, just in general to see women doing more because I've always felt that – this hobby, the best thing about this hobby is the people and the variety of people. And so it just seemed such a shame that women had less influence on the, on the hobby for so long. And now it's so nice to see that. Um, yes, really I is. absolutely 100% agree. Yeah, and young and old. And it really doesn't matter if you're good and you love what you do and the passion. But like the one thing I've learned from every guest I've talked to, everybody I've ever worked with in the hobby, and I'm sure you've seen the same thing, is if you have that passion for it, it shows through in everything you do and – it, you have there's no disadvantages when you're passionate about something yes uh for sure i think when you're original you're authentic and you have a passion for what you do it comes across regardless of who you are where you are and who you're talking to exactly and we have been talking to metro cat and we will talk cat we're gonna have to talk again is that cool because i can talk cool. to you for like five hours and i know you don't want to do that today but but we'll, we'll we'll definitely have to have you back and we'll cover some different topics maybe um next time because um i think it's so important for people that have aspirations in the in the, the business end of the hobby to talk about this and to hear about the, the way things really are and also how they really can do it it just requires a little bit of work a little bit of understanding and it's nice to have you as sort of a, a lighthouse, a little beacon showing people well, there is a way to do this because it's really needed. And I think it could benefit a lot of people. You're going to make a lot of people really happy that maybe you could have an idea for a little career that they never thought about before. So hats off. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate you having me on. I had a really good talk with you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We'll do it again. And again, thanks for uh, stopping by, spending part of your morning with us. And thanks to everybody who has been uh, – supporting us it's, as as you know i i haven't been doing the podcast all that long so this was like an entire learning experience for me and uh it's been a lot of fun and especially when i have guests on because it's even more fun to you know hear your guys interesting stuff and uh just thanks for all the support cat thanks again and i look forward to seeing each and every one of you people out there again on the next installment of the tint